0: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And I'm Eric. And this is episode 284, Your Urban Legends.
1: Folks, here's what just happened to me. I was out walking the boys, lovely second or third really nice day that we're probably going to have for the remainder of summertime season. And I was like, I'm going to get the mail. Put in the mailbox myself, by the way. Oh,
0: look at this homeowner right here.
1: I went in there and I grabbed the mail and you know what was on the mail? A spider. Yeah. Oh.
2: Oh, I mean,
1: just just a little a little fright before our urban legends episode for me.
2: <laughs> a little friend.
1: Then I was like, "How do I get?" Because uh, I was holding a leash with one hand. I'm holding the letter with with the spider on it in another. I was like, what do I do about this situation?" I finally was able to to fling it away. But I mean, I almost died. Pretty much.
2: He was just saying hi. You're you're so brave. Just a little spider friend.
1: It was a, it was like a yellow spider too. Like a, a, oh. a spider that I typically don't see around here which is what made it all the more scary
2: he's just a friend he's just a bright friend that would
0: definitely surprise me especially a spider that is not black mm-hmm. i definitely see you being surprised but i mean eric it's a it's a nice little like jolt to your jolt to your day a little like caffeine in the veins a little fight or flight to really just like get the synapses open
1: yeah yeah i mean the, the thing that was concerning is it's a closed box, so he got in True. there somehow Maybe he came with I the mean, mail. Maybe someone maybe delivered the a mail. spider yeah. to me as a threat.
0: It's possible. It's very possible. possible. Or a little uh, a little present because the spiders will make sure there's no like mosquitoes or, or nasty flies in your house. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I'd go about <laughs> it a different
1: way, but I appreciate the thought from the spider.
0: I stand by it. Spiders are friends. Whenever I see spiders in my house, I go, thank you, pal, because the only thing I detest is mosquitoes. Yeah,
1: We have a spider that every spring shows up at our back door called Joe, and uh, we have to move him because he makes a big web and Kelsey can't get through the door to take the dogs out.
2: You would think Joe would have learned by now, right?
1: I mean, we kind of call all breed of whatever the spider is Joe, so (laughs) it could be a different guy they're they're all Joe.
2: You would think that they've like created some sort of like living memory. Like, even if it's not the same spider every time. Yeah, inherited, like, folklore. Maybe, Eric, again, maybe you're the cryptid.
0: Maybe.
1: Maybe
2: your dogs are the cryptids.
0: And they're like, ah, yes, every day at dusk.
1: We've only been here for one one fall season or one spring season so far. So maybe after a couple more years, they'll just move to a different window or
0: something. They'll learn. That's true. But guys, speaking of mail, I recently received my own little fright in the mailbox, Ooh. by which I mean delight. And it's a handwritten <laughs> urban legend. Whoa. Ooh, they did it.
1: Coming through.
0: They did it. This is from Sadie Ray, who wrote us a lovely letter, a couple of necklaces. Oh. And I'll, I'll show this up to the camera. There is in the corner of this letter, a recommendation corner. Excellent. Adorable. Excellent. Adorable. This is for Nevermore, colon, The Trials of Morgan Crow. Mm. And Sadie writes, really fun twist on the chosen one trope. Possibly gay. Cute little goth girl. A lot of fun. Love it. Would you like to hear the urban legend that Sadie Snail mailed to us? Obviously.
2: Of course.
0: Fabulous. So this one is titled Secret Tunnel Miners with an O, like not of the age of majority mm-hmm. versus minors of Billy Elliot fame and Giving a Bathroom ghost. The finger. Oh, Sadie writes, "Hello, perfectly peculiar podcast people. So the universe told me to send this story in. I'm a relatively new listener. Started listening after a friend recommended it to me last December, and I have been marathoning it ever since. Woo! I'd written the story out a while ago, but was hesitating to send it in. Then I heard hometown urban legend episode 16, and a story came in from Hibbing, Minnesota. I am from Chisholm. Chisholm. (laughs) I I don't know how else to say it. (laughs) Chisholm, Minnesota." chisholm. I'm trying to say in a Minnesota accent. I, I <laughs> yeah. have it. Okay. The next town over is is the point. So when I heard a story from Hibbing, that small town rivalry center of my brain exploded, <laughs> particularly when in the same story, Eric made a Field of Dreams reference, which is what Chisholm is known for, oh. parentheses. Doc Moonlight Graham is from Chisholm. And they, I'm so sorry, I'm just committing to the way I'm pronouncing this. <laughs> Guys, this word is in this paragraph like 20 times. Oh, no. They kind of go to that town in the movie, or at least a very nice New England looking town that they call Chisholm. I took it as a sign that it was time to send it in context. As the Hibbing listener said, we are in the middle of iron country. So our whole community was built around iron mining. If you know anything about mining at all, you probably know it's dangerous as Buck, particularly 100 years ago before companies had to take accountability for their massive worker death toll. Mm -hmm. So the early history of my town basically consists of cave-ins, mines flooding, workers suffocating, and people blowing themselves up with dynamite. As time passed and the miners began to unionize, the mining companies finally figured out that if half their workers were dead and the other half refused to work, that jobs that could make them dead, things would stop being awesome for the mining companies. As a result, the companies began to negotiate with a large group of mostly immigrant workers. After pesky things like safety standards and livable wages were taken care of, miners demanded that companies, quote, build their children a castle to go to school in. Excellent.
1: A castle?
0: Well, as a result, our public schools are fucking epic. We got (laughs) two massive stone buildings with marble floors, sweeping mahogany banisters for every staircase, a giant theater with old school Hollywood-seeming satin chairs, full orchestra pit, a hand-carved proscenium arch. In short, our schools were impressive. We only had two chandeliers in ours. But you know what?
2: Hibbing, six chandeliers is overkill. Yeah.
1: Unions get shit done.
2: (laughs) Unions get shit done. I also, in my mind, want to pretend like, yes, the unions get shit done, but at the same time, I really like the idea of like we went to the house of one of these rich guys and we just took it and now our kids go to school there.
1: Also good.
0: I know. Really good. The high school was the more impressive of the two buildings, but right across the courtyard was the middle school. It was three and a half levels, if you count the basement, and was connected to the high school by a tunnel running under the ground, presumably so students could travel from one building to the other in the winter without going outside in negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit weather. Yes.
2: I don't care what the tunnels
0: were made for. They're still creepy. We could probably have a whole spinoff podcast about urban legends surrounding schools with tunnels. I think it's just a good practice not to build tunnels in your schools. I'm just going to go out there and say it. I know it's cold up there. I get it, but no. Be like Minnesota, make sky bridges.
1: Oh, but the but the sky bridges. There's a whole the whole thing about sky bridges being evil as well. So
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a question. Okay, so for anybody who grew up in a warm place. And you have those outdoor sort of like breezeways, you know, where like covered pathways that connect your school buildings. Mm-hmm. As kids in New York, it was so exotic for me to see, you know, stories set in Australia or California or Florida. And the idea that people would have like multi building school campuses that they could just kind of walk between buildings. Are your breezeways haunted? Does this extend to non enclosed spaces, or are we only talking about hauntings in tunnels and sky bridges? Here's the problem, Amanda when they're enclosed, they keep the ghosts in. That's true. That's true. A breezeway got lots of healthy movement for like germs and also spirits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Worth looking into. (laughs) Sadie Ray continues. However, in spite of the fact that the tunnel existed, students weren't allowed to use it. Now, it wasn't unusual for high schoolers to need to go to the middle school and vice versa because the cafeteria was in the middle school while the pool and band room were in the high school. So students were going back and forth multiple times a day. And because we lived in a post-Columbine world, the doors for each building were only unlocked at specific times. The time that high schoolers got kicked out of the cafeteria was about 10 minutes before the high school doors opened. And often middle schoolers would have to trudge across the courtyard after swimming classes. Admittedly, not that bad in September or May, but in any other month of the year, it was fresh hell, walking 50 yards with wet hair in northern Minnesota.
1: I'm extremely worried that this is going to end with a, like, math leaves from math class. Twelve fifty p.m <laughs> and susan leaves from science lab both are trying to get to the band room by one like who who's i'm worried i'm worried i'm about to enter a math word problem and i am not prepared
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: it's a real fear sadie ray continues this begs the question why couldn't we use the tunnel it was right there wouldn't that be the easier and safer option Well, the logical answer is probably like asbestos or some shit, but this is hometown urban (laughs) legends, not hometown logical answers. (laughs) So clearly the tunnels were haunted by vengeful miners.
1: I do like one episode of hometown logical answers where we just solve a bunch of the problems for real this time.
0: I would find that very delightful. So if anybody has would-be urban legends that have a logical answer, Go ahead and email us, spiritspodcast.com slash contact and make your subject line
1: hometown logical answers. It would be an excellent episode for a potential maybe month of hometowns that oh, we do a second time. Maybe.
0: Oh, I don't know if you guys like enjoyed that when we did that last January. Who knows? But I don't know. I think they might have been into it. You might have been kind of into it and maybe we should do it at like a spookier time of year. Hmm. Who can say? Yeah,
1: maybe one of our hosts is like having a big life event. In October, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we need to like get a bunch of episodes recorded in preparation for that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we would do it then.
0: Who can say? Hard to say. Who can say? Clearly, the tunnels were haunted by vengeful minors. And don't you know the amount of fourth graders who broke into the tunnel when no one was around? No, totally, they swear. Fourth?
2: Yeah, hold on. They're middle schoolers <laughs> or fourth graders? No. Too young, right? Too young.
0: I'm just impressed they're breaking
1: in. To the place. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not less concerned that they're in middle school, more concerned that they're the ones breaking in. Like you told me 10th graders, of course.
0: But I mean, okay, so let's see, because this is the story now, right? There is never really consensus as to what the tunnel itself looks like. Sometimes it looks like just a basement, according to these fourth graders. Sometimes it looks like mine shafts. Sometimes it's as legit as an Indiana Jones cave. But one thing is agreed upon in all of these stories. The tunnel was haunted by the vengeful ghosts of dead miners. They would chase kids with shovels and pickaxes like the headless horsemen chasing Ichabod Crane. Luckily, the ghosts can't ever seem to follow the kid out of the tunnel and are even so kind as to lock the door back up afterwards so there would be no proof the next day. Very thoughtful. This is what I was saying. Tunnels keep ghosts trapped. The tunnel was obviously a big source of stories, but the creepiest aspect of the middle school was the girls' locker room in the gym. Wow. Now, as a young closeted lesbian going through puberty in the mid-2000s... Oh, you poor thing. I found locker rooms terrifying for a variety of reasons, but in this case, I wasn't the only one. Everyone, and I mean everyone, hated that locker room. For as nice as the rest of the school was, that locker room was like a dungeon. Everything was a dingy and grayish brown. Half the sinks didn't work, and most of the lockers were dented shut. It seemed like only half of the lights were ever on at a time. Just in case all of that wasn't Stephen King enough for you, the back of the locker room was a big metal door that was locked, bolted shut, and had steel bars welded across it.
1: That feels right. Why? I feel like every like high school has a door like that in like the gym area.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think there was like a safe at the back of our administrative office, but that's like normal. It always felt eerie by that door. Just looking at it made the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Teachers straight up refused to talk about it, and you would get in trouble for even asking. Apparently... It was an old swimming pool that has since been cemented over because it's not needed anymore. And logically, again, there's nothing too, too weird about this. Pools are expensive. So having a separate pool for the middle school when the high school was just across the street isn't overly necessary, even though, you know, it would be nice in the wintertime. But that did beg the question, if it was just closed off because it was expensive, why the overkill? I get cementing the pool
2: in, that's a safety thing. But why weld the door shut and refuse to talk about it? Maybe they didn't actually cement it in, and so it's just like a big hole in the ground, and now everyone's like, well, we can't let the children in there, and it'll be too expensive to fill that with cement, so let's just weld the door shut. Jim has some steel beams.
1: I know I'm always bringing it up, but this is also kind of similarly a plot point in the hit Netflix German show, Dark. (laughs) Uh, So once again, it's good. Check it out. Watch Dark. Not not you, Amanda, I know you're not going to, but the the public, it's a good show. It's very good.
0: I need to watch it like I watched Our Flog Means Death on a plane with Julia, one earbud in, watching me watch it, uh, which feels like that would be a lot better. The best way to watch anything, in my mind. Yeah. So before Dark came out, these students came up with an explanation of their own. Okay. In lieu of a logical explanation, the students came up with their own story. Which is, after swimming one day back in the 60s, a girl got shoved into a locker by one of her bullies and left there. Unfortunately, it was the day before summer vacation, so by the time they found her, it was too late. As a revenge, she started drowning children until the principal had no choice but to close the pool. Uh, Oh,
1: no. Very good.
0: What
2: a a good kid urban legend.
1: An extremely not logical answer to this one.
2: (laughs) Extremely not. Yeah, as we all know, when summer vacation starts, no one goes to the school for three months. And if a
1: child goes missing... At school, they wouldn't check uh-huh. the school. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terrorized and yet satisfied with this explanation we came up with, most of us made the logical choice to avoid the locker room at all costs. Unfortunately, this was the only bathroom in the basement, so if you had to pee during lunch or gym and couldn't hold it, then you had to go in there. Murder ghost or no murder ghost. I don't know how much I actually believed in the ghost until the thing with Angel happened. Dot, dot, dot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. When I was in fourth grade, my friend Angel had to use the locker room bathroom. She went in alone, which is mistake number one. Always bring a friend to the bathroom with you. True. A few minutes later, we heard a scream. Angel ran out, sobbing, cradling one hand with her other hand, blood dripping down her arm. According to her, she was leaving the stall when she felt someone shove her hard from behind. She tried to stop herself from falling by grabbing the door of the stall, but the door slammed shut on her hand and severed her finger completely off. What?
1: That almost happened to my friend Tim when he worked on a boat.
0: I mean, on a boat, it's like, okay, those doors have to keep water out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. A children's bathroom stall? Damn! Too much. Should not have the capability of severing any part. No. You'll all be happy to know that doctors were able to reattach her finger and she was fine. Excellent.
1: That's amazing, by the way. Anytime. Right? so i right? like, oh, yeah, we could reattach a finger. It, I'll, sure. Amazing. Great. Great job.
0: Here it is in a Ziploc baggie of ice. No problems. Damn. So it's actually able to reattach it. But Angel never went into that locker room again. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't blame Angel. <laughs> and Sadie finishes by saying, I hope you enjoyed the stories. I'll definitely write again because I love collecting stories. and I have a butt ton of them, including but not limited to the haunted ass resort I was raised in. Um, We well, got to learn about that one. Yes.
1: That's becoming too common.
0: I know.
2: Why is everyone raised in haunted hotels? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's becoming too often that people were raised in a haunted hotel.
2: I love
0: I need everyone who's raised in a haunted hotel show up for us. Tales from the bog that my mom was raised in. Please tell me more. The time I drunkenly tried to Ouija and the ghost started our garage on fire. Mm -mm. And the time I convinced a bunch of preschoolers that a dragon almost blew our town up. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Wild. Wild. Very good. P.S. I'm sure the Hibbing listener is a perfectly nice person and it's not their fault Hibbing sucks. And then PS <laughs> PS, there is here a um a slightly streaky meme from Avatar the Last Airbender or Cora, I can't tell. Um, that says Secret Tunnel. Secret Tunnel. Thank you, Sadie. And if you want to send us handwritten urban legends, please do. Our address is at spiritspodcast.com. <sighs> All right. How
2: about we talk about some creepy talking dolls? Yay!
1: Talking dolls?
2: Talking dolls.
1: Oh, I'm in. I'm in
2: so this is from felix and he writes hello my spooky friends my name is felix and i'm a 27 year old guy from sweden i have wanted to send in one of my spooky stories for years but i never was able to decide which stories to share with you because there are so many seriously i grew up in a very spooky family like horror movies books about paranormal phenomena and actual seances were a big part of my life growing up and my stepmother is a professional medium plus healer. So I have quite a few stories to tell, as you can imagine, but I'm only going to focus on one for now. So when I was a little kid, I desperately wanted an amazing alley doll. In parentheses, not to encourage stereotypes here because all kids should play with whatever toys they want. But yes, I was very, very gay. <laughs> If you don't know or don't remember, the amazing Allie doll was this big doll with long blonde hair and blue eyes that blinked and a mouth that moved when she talked. Amazing. Amazing. Allie, she's amazing. Every time you turned her on, she would say something along the lines of, Hi, my name is Allie. I'm going to be your best friend. And then she would go on to list the different activities you could do with her, like having tea parties and creating stories. Anyway, when I was about eight or nine, I got an amazing Alley doll for Christmas and I was over the moon. There's a photo of me from that Christmas sitting with my two older sisters dressed in my brand new white and silver striped pajamas, holding the doll and grinning maniacally with glowing red eyes because of (laughs) camera flash, not because I'm a demon.
1: What a perfect picture.
2: What an era. What an era. I wish I could have sent you the photo, but it's probably somewhere in an old family photo album in my parents' attic or something. I was truly over the moon, but when it was time to go to bed that night, I felt a little bit creeped out by the doll. So I put her back in her box and leaned the box against the foot of my bed. As I was trying to fall asleep, I kept getting these images in my head of her crawling out of her box and staring at me in my sleep. This wasn't unusual for me because ever since I saw the film Poltergeist at six years old, I spent the rest of my childhood thinking that my toys would come alive at night and try to kill me. Anyway, a few years went by and eventually I stopped playing with the doll. When I was about 12, me and my siblings switched around our rooms a bit and I took over my older brother's bedroom where he had apparently been experiencing a bunch of creepy shit, like his television turning on and off at night and voices calling his name and trying to wake him up. Mm -hmm wasn't that Mm. worried, though. I was just happy to have my own room. Did you guys ever share rooms with your siblings? Yeah, I did not. Amanda, what was the experience of like getting your own room like once you got it for yourself? So Connor and I shared
0: a room until the twins were born and my parents like expanded the house. So I was very excited because we like walked on the sort of studs of the house as it was being like putting an addition on. And my dad was like, look, Amanda, like you can kind of choose, you know, one of these two rooms because i was the oldest. Mm. And so one of them was on the front of the house and one of it right next door was in the back of the house. And he described the backyard to me as overlooking the backyard. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, man. And I pictured like a glass bottomed boat. I thought <laughs> for certain this room would be sticking out over the back of the house. I was five years old um, over the backyard. And when my parents walked me up and they were like, ta-da, look Amanda, the sheet rocks in, this will be your room. I was like... What?
2: I was so <laughs> pissed. Excuse me, <laughs> Brian. I demanded a glass floor in my room. What is this? I love that. I know it was
0: a little bit lonely at first, and there were also new babies at the same time, so like lot lots was happening. But it was definitely, you know, it made me feel very grown up. Um, but I I, I did miss uh, sleeping with Connor, you know, just over the bookshelf. Oh, huh.
2: well, apparently Felix was very excited about having his own room as well. And it was
0: fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, it was very very big girl steps. I think I got a new bed.
2: Even though I hadn't played with my amazing Allie doll in ages, I still had her in her box under my bed, and the box came with me and was placed under my bed in my new room. One night, not long after I had switched rooms, I was just about to fall asleep when I heard it loud and clear. Hi, my name is Allie. I'm going to be your best friend. The doll went through the whole long reading that she said every time you turned her on. I could even distinctly hear the mechanical sound of her mouth moving. I remember my eyes flying open and just laying there in the dark, waiting for her to stop speaking. I don't know how, but I was eventually able to fall asleep. I pulled out the box from under the bed the next day and cut away all the tape so that I could open it again because I had taped the box shut a couple of years earlier when I was sure that I was no longer going to be playing with her. I took the doll out and found to my horror that the battery wasn't even inserted into the slot in her back.
1: It's always the case. The battery's never there.
2: Needless to say, that doll did not spend another night in my room. I shoved her back into her box, taped the box shut again, and put her away in the attic like I should have done a long time ago. I did have several other spooky experiences in that room, but nothing as terrifying as that thing with the doll. I really hope you enjoyed this, and I will hopefully return with some more stories in the future. Stay spooky, Felix. Thanks, Felix. Very
1: good. Well, when we get back from our refill, I have a little story that's kind of a follow-up to an email.
0: Oh,
2: my favorite. Julia, it's the refill. Oh, hey! What you got there in your hand, Amanda? Is that a cocktail? Sure is. I got a curly straw, just for fun. Ooh, I love a curly straw. I like the ones that, like, pretend to be
0: glasses and then you put it in your mouth and you sip your cocktail. Oh my god, so cute. Welcome, most especially, to the curly straws of our hearts, Izzy and Caitlin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, specifically, for becoming our newest patrons. You are the lifeblood, the stuff that lets us keep making this podcast as a career, and we super appreciate it.
2: You're the mixers for our cocktails. Otherwise, they wouldn't be cocktails cocktails.
0: Oh, and you know who's the herbal garnish that really just makes a drink for me? Is that our supporting producer-level patrons? Yes, Alicia, Ann, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, J. Bay Bay, Jessica Kinzer, Jessica Stewart, Nezelkins, Lily, Little Vomit Spiders Running Around, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Captain Jonathan, Molokai, Cosmos, Sarah Scott, and Zazie. And of course, Julia, we have our legend level patrons. The premium garnish, if you will. The, like, tiny cheeseburger on top of your Bloody Mary. Ariana, Audra, Bex, Clara, Iron Havoc, Morgan, Mother of Vikings, Sarah, and Yep Scotty. I would pay $20 for their cocktails. Me too. And if you would like your name read out, if you would like like to support this independent podcast that hopefully you really enjoy, go to patreon.com slash spirits podcast.
2: Now, Amanda, people really enjoyed this independent podcast. But what have you been enjoying? What have you been listening to watching reading lately? So Julia, you know very well that when you make podcasts, it kind of changes the
0: way you consume podcasts because you listen to them and you're like, oh, you know, what are the choices that they're making? Who is this person? What microphone are they using? You really have a sort of insider industry sense of what it is. And I recently had the weird experience of I was sick and not able to engineer for an episode of This Is Good For You, which is a podcast that Multitude makes in partnership with Nicole Perkins. And so I got to, for the first time, listen to the podcast as a podcast without being there as it was made. And it was so good. It was an episode with one of my very favorite people on the internet, Grace Bonnie, talking all about birdwatching and why birdwatching is Good for you. And Nicole famously hates birds. And so, doing an episode all about bird watching, Nicole's mind was kind of changed. And it just reminded me that this is a great show and I love it. And she just put out an episode two weeks ago all about the anniversary of the show, where producer Eric Silver interviewed her about making this podcast and what that's been like for over a
2: year. So, it's a really good podcast and you should listen to it. It's called This Is Good For You. Heck yeah, I love that. One of the ways that I also consume podcasts nowadays is by editing podcasts. And one of the shows that that I want to tell you about from Multitude this week is Queer Movie Podcast, which I edit. Woo! It's so good. You do such a good job. Thank you. Well, you know what? Listening to Rowan and Jazza, the hosts, is so delightful and so enjoyable that it makes my job easy. Basically, it is a queer movie watch party. They research and rate their way through the queer film canon, one genre at a time, anything from rom-coms to slashers, black and white classics. It is a celebration of all things gay on the silver screen. And new episodes are every other Thursday, so check them out. They are the Queer Movie Podcast. And finally, before we get to our sponsors
0: for the week, we also want to let you know about an exciting merch drop. So our Spirits tarot cards have been reprinted. They are back at it. They are back on the website. They are available for pre-order. So if you want a reprint. It's the Major Arcana. They are beautiful. They sold out so quickly last time. So we were very excited to be able to bring them back. So grab your pre-order now and you'll get an email when they ship. Go to spiritspodcast.com slash merch, where you can also see the first of our monthly stickers. (gasps) So Zoe Palano-Rider, our fabulous merch contact who designed the tarot deck has made some adorable versions of cryptids. And we are going to be releasing them as stickers one at a time, where just like a cryptid, you have to kind of sight them, then they're gone. So <laughs> the first one, it's Mothman. I mean, what else could it be? It's its adorable Mothman, and you got to check him out. Spiritspodcast.com slash merch.
2: Amanda, I know that you were one of millions of people who became very interested in baking bread over the last couple of years. It's
0: true, Julia, but I have limited myself to quick breads. I am not yet advanced enough of a baker to do yeast breads, certainly sourdoughs, but to take care of another thing, a starter, is tough
2: yeah, no, sourdough starter really, really intimidates me. And while I love the bread I can get from my supermarket and stuff, I wanted better bread and I didn't want to be responsible for having to make that bread. And I was so glad when Wild Grain appeared on my doorstep one day like magic. And Wild Grain is the first bake from frozen box for artisanal bread, but they don't just have bread. They also have rolls, pastries, handmade pasta. It is so, so good. I had their blueberry biscuits the other day and it made my morning so much better. I was like, oh, I want to start every morning with these warm, delicious, buttery blueberry biscuits. I super do. And here's how it works. You sign up, you choose which type of box you want to receive and how often, and then they deliver for free a box of breads, pastas, and pastries with easy to follow instructions. Really, it's super easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. So if you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I don't want to have to go through the rigmarole of making a full breakfast it's very easy basically you set it and forget it but not really because you have delicious pastries if you're traveling or if your freezer is already stocked not a problem it's super easy to reschedule skip or cancel at any time and if I have made you hungry already which I hope I have for a limited time you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box And let me tell you the croissants are extremely extremely good so buttery so flaky they're my favorite food I love them. So you can get those when you go to wildgrain.com slash spirits to start your subscription. You heard me free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash spirits. That's wildgrain.com slash spirits, or you can use the promo code spirits at checkout.
0: We are also sponsored this week, Julia, by BetterHelp. And you know, every month, BetterHelp gives us another kind of aspect of mental health or of life that we can talk about and focus on and sort of remind you about. And this month, that is all about burnout. For me, that often manifests as a lack of excitement or energy about the thing that I'm doing and feeling like every new thing that's on my plate, even if it's exciting, is sort of another like thing for me to deal with that I would rather not have. And that sucks. And one of the things that I do to deal with that like yes of course I you know I try to take care of myself I try to you know have all my physical needs taken care of I try to make sure I get good sleep all of that Therapy is a huge part of how I care for myself and a sort of accountability process where like I I have this, you know, hour every week where I meet with my therapist whose name is also Amanda and I have to be honest with her about kind of what's going on with me. And even if it's something that I don't want to take seriously or I want to brush off because it's on my calendar, because that time is there, it really works for me to be able to tell someone who's outside of my life and just there to listen and to help me about what I'm dealing with.
2: And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. And Spirits listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com spirits. That's betterhelp.com slash spirits. Julia, I was recently
0: away for a few days. You were a huge help in helping me take a vacation, which was very nice. And I, I want to thank you very much for it. Oh, and when I got home, I checked on my plants. You know, I like brought home the laundry I did. I, you know, had my glass of crisp New York City tap water. And then I spritzed my Blueland all-purpose cleaner on my island and just cleaned it because I missed the smell and I miss doing it and I love the Blue Land products so much and their foaming uh, hand soap that I use and their like powdery dish detergent. God, it's so good and I am very happy to talk about it today.
2: Yeah, Blue Land is super simple. You just buy the bottle of cleaner once, you refill it forever. No more plastic waste. The only thing you need to discard is your outdated idea that eco-friendly products have to be more expensive and less effective. Uh, yeah, they're beautiful glass bottles and
0: then the way that you refill it is they send you a lovely like wrapped in paper
2: tablet that you put back in your reusable bottle add water shake it up and there's your cleaning product it is so so easy so try blue land today you'll love it and the planet will thank you right now you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com/spirits that's 20% off your first order of any blue land products at blueland.com/spirits blueland.com/spirits and now let's get back to the show All right, everybody. Spring
0: has sprung. It is nice and warm outside where we live and the summer beers are on the shelves. So what have you been drinking recently?
2: So since I moved, I have been frequenting the Blue Point Brew Pub here in uh, Long Island and they just put out a beer that is a like joint collaboration with The Donut Project.
0: Oh damn.
2: And it is like a incredible lemon kettle sour beer and I am obsessed with it. It's so delicious.
0: It sounds so good. I love the Donut Project.
2: They make some great stuff.
1: I don't know about the Donut Project. What is what is the Donut Project? Is it like a donut place around there? I assume.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a local donut place.
0: Yeah.
1: I've pieced all the clues together.
0: It is so amazing. Eric's been going there for years and has a black hat with like a red donut with a bite taken out of it. And it's the hat that I think he gets the most compliments
2: on. Because it's a great hat. A great hat.
1: Me and Amanda have shared many a bottle of bullet whiskey. True. They now make, this is a recommendation for our listeners and for Amanda, some pre-made stuff. Ooh. So Ooh. you can just get bullet Manhattans or bullet old fashions. They just, they're already made. They're already in the bottle. Good to bring to a friend's house for a cookout. Don't have to worry about all those ingredients. Love it. I tried the uh, old-fashioned one. Pretty good. Pretty good for a cocktail in a bottle, I'd say.
0: And we just had a friend visit recently from Charlottesville, Virginia, and brought with her some seasonal Bold Rock Cider, which is among my favorite ciders ever. This is the Blackberry flavor, which I probably recommended on the show before, but it is so springy and delicious, and I highly recommend it. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it's so, so good. So Eric, you mentioned that you have a quasi-follow-up, which I love and has its own tag in our inbox, by the way, of uh, where we get our urban legends into. We love it so much. So why don't you tell us all about it?
1: So this story surprisingly, I didn't realize what Julia's pick was for her email. This story is also from Felix, but it also is kind of a follow-up to previous stories we've told. So we've got a a kind of double follow-up, a follow-up to the email Julia just (laughs) read, and a follow-up to a concept we've discussed many times on the show. So this is just kind of a a double Felix episode, so... (laughs) Hell yeah. So Felix starts their email with, I recently wrote in to tell you my scary childhood experience with my amazing alley doll. But after listening yeah. to your latest Urban Legends episode, I had to get in touch again.
0: Like seven minutes ago, Felix. That's how recently you wrote in.
1: In the episode, you talk about how one of the worst things a ghost can do is blow into your ear. And I'm here to tell you that ghosts have been blowing in my ears for pretty much my entire life. No. Damn, Felix. I can't remember when it started, but for as long as I can remember, I've sometimes randomly felt as if something is blowing in my ear. For many years, this would happen at least once or twice a week. It would feel exactly as if a real person was standing right next to me and blowing directly into my ear. I would literally feel their breath against my skin. I never understood it, and I never told anyone about it. Damn. When I was 13, my parents invited a professional medium to our home for a group seance, which I was allowed to attend. What cool parents, by the way.
2: Yeah. Wow. That slaps.
1: We were quite a large group, and we sat on chairs in a circle around the medium. I never expected her to turn to me because my stepmother had told me before the seance that mediums usually didn't share a lot of information with someone as young as me. Mm but she did turn to me and the first words out of her mouth were you've been feeling like someone is blowing in your ear.
0: What the fuck? Wow, that's pretty specific.
1: That's a swish right there. That's a yeah. three-point swish with, the, with that call.
0: Nailed it. Yeah, it is.
1: My mind was blown. She told me the blowing in my ear is just the spirit's way of making me aware of their presence, or in some cases, their way of trying to get my attention because they have a certain message for me.
2: I'm just saying there's better ways of getting someone's attention or letting them know that you're there other than breathing weirdly into their ear.
1: I was just going to say, but is there? And then I realized I am the one that I think said like this would probably be the worst thing. So like I'm all over the place (laughs) with my opinions on this (laughs) this situation. I'm going to say, like, a lot of the other things ghosts do is quite scary. This is just creepy. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You either get a real creepy way of a ghost contacting you or very, uh, a very, ah, uh, scary way.
2: <laughs> you just, like, knock on a wall. You know, that's not as creepy.
1: That's true. That's true. Then you'll think well, your house is falling apart and that's no good. <laughs> Who knows? Fair, fair. As the years went on, I developed the ability to sense when the blowing in my ear was just a friendly hello or something more important or even something less friendly that needed to be removed.
2: I want to know like, what the difference was. Was it like the intensity of the blowing or is it the rhythm of it? What's happening there?
1: The rhythm of it. That I don't like. I don't <laughs> I feel like maybe like the the warmth like the cooler a cooler breeze would be like a sign of something bad and a warmer okay. is kind of a comforting thing I don't know
0: What? You're telling me someone breathing humanly into your <laughs> ear is better than a chilly draft? No way.
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm sp- I'm spitballing here. I, I haven't had either of these happen to me. I don't know if I'd prefer one or the other.
0: Okay. Ask Kelsey to blow coolly in your ear and then to, like, breathe hotly in your <laughs> ear. One's definitely worse. Okay. Okay. Terrible. This is your homework, Eric.
1: I'll get directly on it as soon as this call ends. <laughs> My stepmom, who is now working as a professional medium, taught me how to cleanse myself and my living space. Sounds like she just told you to pick up the toys in your <laughs> oh.
2: room. Am I right? Aw sh- oh, moms. Pretty good grift though, if you
0: need to make your kids clean their room.
2: Yeah. The auras in here are off. You really should mm-hmm. put away that laundry. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Ghosts love a messy place. Mmm, that's true. They thrive in chaos.
1: So when I moved away to a very haunted school at the age of 18, I was Felix, able to why? keep myself safe <laughs> and protected in my dorm room for the three years I spent there.
2: Feeling stop.
1: Probably Ohio University, as we've established <laughs> the hauntedest university in all of the states.
2: Well, he said he was from Sweden, so probably not Ohio.
1: You know, we got expats. Some people come to Ohio for some reason. Most people leave, but some people come here. (laughs) (laughs) I had so many spooky experiences at that school, but I'm just going to share one of them for now as it feels relevant to the topic. One night as I was lying in bed in my dorm room, I suddenly felt someone or something blow in my ear with more force than I've ever felt before. Imagine someone putting their mouth only inches away from your ear and taking a huge breath and then blowing into your ear as hard as they possibly could. That's exactly what this felt like.
2: I would prefer not to. That can hurt you. My eardrum.
1: And it went on for about 30 seconds or so.
2: What? What the fuck?
1: There was a little pause in the middle.
2: <laughs> to take a, to take another breath.
1: As whoever or whatever it was had to stop to inhale before continuing.
2: It's a ghost though. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. That's That's tough. That's tough, guys.
1: Yeah. I was lying on my side, leaning on my elbow and reading a book, and I immediately got an image in my head of someone or something lying behind me in my bed, leaning their head over my shoulder, and I was too terrified to try to cleanse my room though, seeing as it was in the middle of the night and no one else was awake. Which is usually when I do my best cleaning, honestly, (laughs) especially when I lived alone. (laughs) I would do almost all of my cleaning post midnight. Interesting. Really? Now I I don't do that because I don't think Kelsey would appreciate me taking care of all of that in the middle of the night. But I always would just like not vacuum, obviously. You can't vacuum in an apartment at midnight. No. But all of my tidying, I was always in the mode to do it late at night on like Friday or Saturday nights when I was just alone in my apartment.
0: Fascinating. That's fair enough. I was picturing like deep cleaning, but I think putting stuff away before you, you know, go to bed is... Makes total sense.
1: Yeah, I think the most like in terms of that stuff, I would probably like do the dishes maybe late at night. But like mostly it was just kind of like the general taking care, the laundry, that kind of stuff late at night. Gotcha. Gotcha. So back to the story, not to my laundry situation five or six (laughs) years ago. So I waited until morning came. Then daylight and the sounds of my friends moving about outside my room made me feel safe enough to deal with whatever had scared me during the night. I would usually sit on my bed when I cleansed my room, but this time I chose to stand in the middle of the room instead.
2: Well, because whatever it was was on the bed. Yeah.
1: I did this because I could feel that the bed was occupied. There you go. My cleansing ritual basically consisted of me closing my eyes and visualizing the room in my mind and removing any dark energies and or spirits and finally filling every inch of the room with light. As soon as I got started, I immediately saw it was lying right there in my bed. The best way I can describe it is that it looked like the red-faced demon from Insidious, only it was all black.
2: Have you guys seen that movie? I have not. No. Insidious is very creepy. Very fucked up.
1: I think it's in the trailer. So I think I have seen it in the trailer, but I don't think I've seen the movie. So I know what it looks like, I think.
2: I haven't. Don't need to. Yeah, no, it's creepy. I just I just saw it again. I was like, <laughs> it's also referred to as the lipstick face demon, which I hate.
1: No good. That's a bad. No I good. mean, that's a great name, but it's a it's a bad name as well. <laughs> bad. it's bad. I don't believe it was actually a demon, though. I think it only chose that appearance to scare me. I do believe in demons, but I think it's extremely rare to come across one and hope I never do. Anyways, it took a lot of energy, but I did manage to get rid of the creature. I have many more stories to tell, as we are aware, apparently. Yep. With this, with the supplies double header from Felix. But this has already gone on long enough, so I think that is enough for now. Thank you so much for reading. Hope you all enjoyed it. Stay spooky, Felix.
2: Oh, Felix, we did. We did. So spooky, Felix. Thank you. So we were talking earlier about people living in uh, haunted hotels and stuff like that. But I do have one called The Hotel and the Little Boy. Oh. Okay. Okay. This is from Elliot and he writes, Hello, I've been listening to the podcast for a long while and love the urban legends and takes on Greek mythology. Elliot's also an archaeologist and we asked about the different types of archaeology before yeah. in a previous episode so he writes so historic archaeology focuses on periods and regions with written histories associated with them and the intersections between history and the physical archaeological evidence other fields of archaeology include biological archaeology or anthropology depending on where you are mm. osteoarchaeology and bones paleo- bones bones yeah <laughs> and paleopathology which falls under bioarchaeology but focuses on skeletal evidence of disease, trauma, and diet, among other things. Damn. Prehistoric archaeology, space archaeology, which is the archaeology of humans in space, and anthropology, which tends to focus on living cultures and socio-cultural aspects of archaeology. Fascinating. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you, Elliot.
1: That's very helpful.
2: I can't believe that space archaeology is a thing now. That's wild. I love that. So cool. Now, Elliot gets into the, the, the meat of the story, which is... <laughs> Now, this isn't a story from my hometown, but it is my family's favorite ghost story because it happened to my dad. When my siblings were little before I was born, my family went to Yosemite National Park and stayed at this old hotel. My sibling must have been about two years old at the time, my sister around six, and they were particularly attached to their baby blanket. One night, my dad woke up, he's a very light sleeper, and saw a pale light in the room my siblings were sleeping in. He got up, but when he went to check on my siblings, the light was gone. But now he saw the same light coming from the hallway. He went back to bed thinking that it must have been from the hallway lights. No big deal. The next day, they woke to find my sibling's blanket had disappeared. My parents checked everywhere, even asked housekeeping to check to see if it had gotten mixed up with the laundry. Nothing. My sibling was distraught, but there was nothing left to do. That night, my dad woke up again to see the light in my sibling's room. He got up, and this time, when the light had once again moved to the hallway, he decided to follow it. Which, mm. An interesting choice, certainly. <laughs>
0: well, if you have a kid throwing a tantrum because their blanket is gone, I, I I have sympathy for this one. I guess,
2: I guess. So he followed it all the way down the hall, down the stairs, down to the lobby of the hotel. There, he found a little boy crying and holding my sibling's blanket. But when he went to comfort the little boy, the boy disappeared. No! The next morning, my dad went down to the hotel concierge and asked if there were ghost stories about the hotel. The concierge looked at him oddly and said, Only one about a little boy. <laughs>
0: Who tanks blankets. Why?
2: Apparently decades ago, the son of one of the hotel maids had gone missing during a snowstorm. The young boy had never been found. Once there was a car accident near the hotel. One of the drivers had died, but the other survived. And when asked what happened, she said she had swerved to miss a little boy. Anyway, that's my story. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for all your hard work with the podcast. It's so much fun to listen to and always makes me smile. Stay creepy. Stay cool. Best, Elliot.
0: Right on. Very good.
1: Very good.
2: Little boy, got you can't steal from other people. That's not fair.
0: I also have a follow-up email that I would love to finish this episode on. Ooh. All righty. We love follow-up. Thank you, everybody. This is from Deanne, who titled her email, Why You Should Know Where Your Bones Come From. Urban Legends 52 follow-up. You should know where your bones come from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know where my bones come from.
0: (laughs) Deanne writes, Hey, Spirits 3, wanted to follow up about your Urban Legends 52 discussion about bone graft. Mm. in late january i had to get a tooth removed and a bone graft put in with no word of what type of bone graft i was getting
2: it's a cadaver (laughs) when i
0: was talking to my pastor about it she mentioned a friend of hers had had the choice between cadaver or animal bone i was like huh i did not get a choice (laughs) (laughs) cut to a month later i was pretty much recovered and not thinking about it until i was filling out a survey for blood donation No, I was not in a small European country or in the early 90s and other very specific questions like that. Then came the question, have you had a bone graft in the last six months? At that point, I knew I was not going to be donating blood that day because I disqualified myself. So I got referred to a staff member who asked what kind of bone graft I got. And since I didn't know, she couldn't use her nice flow chart for how long I needed to wait before donating blood. I still haven't made the time to call the dentist and ask. Not quite sure what my bone is made of, Deanne.
2: I feel like... There had to have been some paperwork where they disclosed that information, maybe. Maybe not like verbally disclosed, but I-, I don't know. I can't say. Maybe your insurance company knows. <laughs> maybe. But like, I totally
0: understand how you just don't want to learn. But if you want to be a, you know, if I'm telling you blood, you got to know. Oh, that's tough.
2: I mean, I also just want to know in general if I've got a little bit of cowbone in me or a little bit of dead person in me. Yeah,
1: that's the exact reason they don't tell you.
2: Yeah, but I want to (laughs) know.
1: Because what are you going to do with that information now that you have it? That might, that could go bad.
2: Nothing, but I just want to know. There's some bullshit team ignorance stuff here. (laughs) It's a medical miracle either
0: way. And we're glad you're well and that, you know, someone's bone is helping you chew. Or something. (laughs) Or something?
1: Probably not something, something not that scary. Probably not something. (laughs) Probably like a well-established, safe animal bone to use.
0: <laughs> if you think about teeth for too long on its own, that can get pretty creepy. Just like just bones in your head that let you rip things. Yeah, it's a lot. From spiders to teeth, I feel like we really have this whole episode bookended pretty perfectly. Yep, yep. I think
2: so. Hitting all the fears. Only thing we're missing is clowns. <laughs> we have dolls but close yeah, enough. Yeah,
1: <laughs> dolls and clowns are in the same category as spooky things.
2: Terrible, terrible. It's true.
0: Well, we want to hear from you—archaeologists, librarians, miners, people who grew up in spooky tourist towns, hotels, and resorts.
2: If you grew up in a haunted resort or hotel because your parents were trying to flip it, I specifically want to hear about that. We do,
1: regardless of the reason. They didn't have to be trying to flip it. We don't. We want. We don't want to cast too narrow a net here.
2: I don't know. <laughs>
0: Apparently, there's enough. If you have been thinking about writing in with an urban legend, uh, hey, it's me talking to you. Now's the time. Spearspodcast.com.
2: Amanda just turned her chair around, and is like facing the other way like a cool person. <laughs> hey, I'm here to tell you about ghosts and also drugs. I am wearing
0: overalls, but not a backward baseball hat. I'll have to work on that for next time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You'll
1: have to work on that.
0: <laughs> Don't think too hard about your teeth and remember, stay creepy. Stay cool.
2: Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please
0: text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to
2: Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye.